This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to be with you here today as, as we talk about what the practice of peace is. And it's interesting, we can, we can look at Practicing Heaven Now, which is the title of the series, and we can look at Practicing Peace, and we can see them almost as two separate things. But the reality is peace is the essence of heaven. Here's a piece of New Church thought for you. It's at the very heart of heaven. It, it is heaven's heart. And so when, when we really learn to practice peace, we really learn to invite heaven into our lives. I was mentioning to the, to the group we had meeting before church this morning, Rob Nash does a wonderful job leading a drop-in. Him and Bob lead a wonderful drop-in small group called Peace of Mind. And if somebody comes to me and they're like, oh, I'm thinking about a small group, what should I, what should I do? I say, oh, try Peace of Mind. No one has ever gone like, Chuck, I got Peace of Mind nailed. I'm good. No problem. You know, we, we, all, we all want more peace. Could I please get a big yes? yes? We all want more peace. And how do we do it? Like, how do we go about finding that practice? And it's interesting, right? Like, like I love the English language. English language, there's, there's certain words that, that just, I think, tell us what we already know. I mean, I, I say this all the time. The best sermon is when you get told what you already know, but you hear it for the first time. And I think these two phrases get to what we already know, that you may be hearing it for the first time. We talk about the peace of heaven, and we wish for peace on earth. Peace of heaven, peace on earth. We already know that heaven and peace go together. The peace of heaven. And what we wish for is peace on earth. Does that sound like Christmas or what? You know, peace on earth. And what if today, what if, what if, what if, what if, we could just slide those two a little closer so that maybe we could experience the peace of heaven as peace on earth. Maybe we can just do that today as our little bit of practice of heaven. Now, 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 this promise of peace, folks, goes back, goes back thousands and thousands of years. And this is one of the most beautiful promises, I think, in the whole Bible. This is something that was written literally like over 2,000 years ago in the book of Isaiah. This is what Isaiah saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. Now think of a mountain, picture that. A chief among the mountains, in other words, the tallest of them, will be raised above the hills. All nations, notice what it said. How many nations? Please say it. How many? All, All, not just some. All nations. All nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. And so we will walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge, and you can look along the slide here with these ones. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Beautiful line there. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Pruning hooks were for taking down fruit. Nation will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war anymore. Nor will they train for war anymore. 
this beautiful thing. And I think it speaks to this, this deep yearning of the, of the human heart. Like this is the promise that we want. Like, like this idea that, 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 that we can create something that, 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 that God's in charge and all nations are invited into this, into this kingdom. All nations coming from different places. But just imagine this, this image of, of everyone streaming to that place, that highest and best place of all humanity. God with us. And imagine that's the place where we learn to beat swords into plowshares. I mean, that image is so powerful that when they founded the United Nations, as some of you know, they were looking for a, for a statue to put out front. There's the statue. What's the guy doing? Beating swords into plowshares. That beautiful promise then of peace. Now, it's interesting when we look at this, at this promise, like it's something we all wanted, and it's something that's elusive. It's elusive in our lives. It's elusive in our worlds. We want it, and we, we search for it, but it's, but it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. And I was a history teacher for many years, so I've, I, I love the idea of, of like being in history, like, like actually going places where, where history happened. Because it gives you a different perspective, and a different perspective even on things as, as grand and as, as wonderful and as spiritual as peace. A couple of years ago, I was very privileged to get to go take a trip to see the Normandy beaches to see D-Day, which I loved. A different war, that's World War II. We're going to be talking a little bit shortly about the end of World War I here. But it was, it was profound. It was profound. Now, there were funny parts to it, just so you know. It wasn't like I was sitting around being profound the whole trip. You know, the funny part was I don't know any French and I got a kidney stone and had to navigate a French hospital without knowing the language trying to explain a kidney stone. Don't try that at home. But despite those little setbacks, right, there's, there was a sense of history that was amazing. I mean, everywhere you go in Europe, essentially, there's, there's reminders of, of the wars that have been there. Reminders like when you're at D-Day, reminders of, of simple things like this picture. You know, just simple bunkers. Like, you don't see that every day in America. Just seeing those things and being able to crawl around them and just, just imagine all that happened there. And as we were traveling, I followed a suggestion from, a, from somebody who actually did her wedding, and she does travel trips over to Europe. And she said, oh, you have to stay in Bayou because there's a cemetery there that will, will totally get you to get it. I thought that's interesting, right? So I, I did. I listened to her. And we went to the cemetery, beautiful cemetery. It's a British cemetery. It's filled with these, these beautiful headstones. Now, what's, what's different between an American cemetery and a British cemetery is this. A British cemetery, they allowed the families to put an inscription on the bottom of the tombstone. So you had all the information, and then you had an inscription at the bottom. And those inscriptions had a gravitas to them. They pulled you into the story, into the sacrifice, into people doing the best that they could to make the stands they called, were called to make. In a story that understands the depth of loss as well. Can I show you what was at the bottom of this one? This is what was written at the bottom of this tombstone. This was one that just really gave me chills. You were taken, but baby Francis came to take your place, your loving wife, Marie. 
there was indeed movement there for me. You know, this, this feeling of like, oh, so this pursuit of peace, it is real. It requires sacrifice, as God gives us all, see sacrifice in our different ways. In this pursuit of peace, it, it, somehow, it somehow matters. It somehow matters. And how do we practice that at a, at a big level? And how do we practice that at a small level? And how do we think about this time? I mean, right now it is 10.57 a.m. I'd ask you just to picture yourself for a minute, 100 years ago to this minute. World War I is drawing to a close. You know, November 11th at 11 a.m., it's, it's over and it's done. You think about the emotions that people would be experiencing right now. Your relatives, 100 years ago, today, what do you think they might have been thinking at that moment? Whether you're talking soldiers in the trenches or, or pilots or a radio operator like my grandfather who was a World War I veteran was, or, or what about the families at home? Those who'd already struggled with loss. Those who knew, on the other hand, that their loved ones were coming home. What would they have said? What would be the practice of peace now? What would they offer to us here today? So now that it's 11 o'clock, I just want you to think about that for a minute. I'm going to go over and light a candle just in honor of this auspicious moment. New Church, one of the definitions of peace is peace is the feeling when war ends. I think that's true at a spiritual level. I think that's true at a natural level as well. So to light the candle, just to invite you just to have a moment of, of quiet meditation. The band's going to be coming out. They're going to do a song underneath some slides. A bunch of you sent slides of veterans who you're holding near and dear to your heart this Veterans Day, which is how we're going to honor this moment. So join me in a meditative place.
So that beautiful idea, right? That, that idea of, of peace and, and how do we find it and how do we bring those things, you know, the, the peace of heaven and peace on earth, how do we bring them together? And, and how does that work? And how do we honor people? And how do we take stands? And how do we do all that? I mean, these are big questions. Hard questions. We've been wrestling with them. You know, here's a promise, thousands of years old, and we've been wrestling with it. No doubt before what I read for you from Isaiah, and we'll be wrestling with it, you know, moving into the future as well. What does it mean to come to the mountain of the Lord, all nations, streaming, practicing a different kind of practice? It's interesting when we look about what does it mean to, to make this place our home because so much of that is that, that, that incredibly powerful practice of peace. And, and how, do we, how do we do that? Regardless of where you are in your life, like how do we actually do that? How do we do that thing? How do we practice it? And I think one place maybe we can start the conversation is this. In the midst of confusion and struggles in our lives, we are being asked to search. I'm going to have you say the yes word there. Uh, confusion and struggle in our lives, we are being asked to search deeper than our, than our shadows for the light of our beginnings. I love that. I would just add the word our shared beginnings if it was my quote, but it's not. Search deeper than our shadows for the light of our shared beginnings. Because... That's, I think, what we try to do. I, I think so much of this, of this piece is, is trying to understand deeply what, what are those shared pieces of our common humanity. How do we get back to that beyond the shadows of our differences? Back to these pieces of our common beginnings. Jesus preached about that a great deal. He talked beautifully with this kind of language. You know him. In other words, God, you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I love that idea of with and in, that, that, that when we get down to our core, I think this is so key. Please listen, this is so key to understanding that the Christian message when we get down to our core, who we are at our deepest level, it's not a place that is opposed to God. It is a place that is of God. It takes work to find that. It takes struggle. But it's there. There's something beyond our shadows that is a sense of a shared beginning. And all nations will stream to the mountain of the Lord. I think that's where we try to go. That's where we try to be. That's what we try to somehow touch. And when we do, I, I feel like there's a common language that comes out of that place. Look at this quote here from John 24, the Gospel of John, one of the four Gospels. John 24, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And please say the R word there loud. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. I love that idea of reminders. And I'm going to give you a chance to hear from each other here. Now, again, for first-time people, I know we have a few first-time people here. You don't have to answer. But what we do sometimes here at New Church Live is I come out in the audience with a microphone just to give a chance for the congregation to say things. And I ask you to think, like, when you're not at peace and you're not at rest, 
What do you feel like God's spirit reminds you of? What's the reminder that you keep coming back to? I'd ask you to go to your deep wisdom here. Go to what you know with a capital K. What does the Holy Spirit remind you of when you're going through times that aren't the least bit peaceful? So if we'd have like three or four people, just raise your hand and I'll be running around with the microphone to hear what you have to say. brave, who are some brave souls? I love the picture of your parents in there. Well, I certainly find that when I'm not at peace, the most critical thing is to find a quiet place if possible. Or actually, really to start the day in a quiet place and quiet my mind. And um, you know, there are all kinds of techniques to do that, but find that place where just I feel God's presence and his peace comes into that place and that can carry me through the day. It's beautiful, that idea of, of, of silence. And, I, I, you know, there's a, there's a fun Quaker quote with don't speak unless you can improve on the silence, <laughs> which, which I love. I love that idea, right? And we, like, somehow the silence speaks completely to us. I think when I find that quiet space um, and just try to listen, I often hear, um, behold, I am with you mm. to the end of the earth, mm. and I will not leave you comfortless. Mm. That's beautiful. Beautiful. That idea of with you. And, and again, that comes back to, again, that with and that, that in. I was just going to elaborate on, on the silence um, to tune out the noise. Sometimes when you're at your least peaceful, your mind will attract more noise. <laughs> and it seems like the right thing to do is to delve into the worry even further. And that's the only way to figure it out. But actually tuning out the noise, the answer is behind the silence. Nobody in here had any idea what you're talking about there, Marcus, on that one. <laughs> Turn around. Your higher power has your back. Simple, turn around, your higher power has your back. Oh. There you go, bud. Um, I feel that when I'm not at peace, all I do is try to find a quiet, ugh, try to find a quiet place, pray, and just put everything in the Lord's hands, and he'll make a way for me. That's it. So good. Thank you. You know, that idea of put it all in the Lord's place, that idea of, of, of that turning over, putting it into his hands. And the, these aren't hands that grasp. These are hands open to receive. Well, it's the uh, fact that we're all on this miraculous journey that we call life. And there's joys and despairs and bumps along the way, but we're all going to complete our journey. And sometimes it's out of our hands and we have to give of ourselves to the Lord to get us through this incredible journey. That's beautiful. Thank you. The reminder that I come back to is it is okay. It is okay. It is okay. With my understanding, I don't understand why some things are happening, but God knows. God knows. And 
it is for our ultimate happiness. That's beautiful. And that idea, like, it's, it's okay. I used to have a friend who constantly said, you know, figuring it all out is the booby prize. Because I wanted to figure it all out. There's a scripture, and I don't know the address, but it says somewhere, um, no one by worrying has ever added a single hour to their life. So true. Or, or grown. Great. Give those folks a round of applause. So those folks are those beautiful reminders of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Like, and we know it when we see it. We know it when we see it, and we know it when we hear it. And I think so much of that, 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 that discipline of peace, that practicing heaven now is, okay, so, so here's all the shadows of my discontent. Remember the word shadows. Is a shadow actually a thing? No. No. It's just like light is, I mean, darkness is not a thing. Darkness is just the absence of light. It's, it's along that line of logic there. And then we go back to these beginnings. And isn't it interesting how many people talked about sort of quieting their mind? And, and all your answers were beautiful, and they were very simple. And I think that's how the Lord speaks to us. Very simple very powerful ways. And, and sometimes we get a chance to see that. Sometimes we get a chance to see that in a kid's artwork. We did bags a few weeks ago at New Church Live that are going out to foster families and the kids were decorating them. And I love the idea of the world being a big heart. <laughs> you know, and God being the sun. We know it as well when we see pictures like we saw in the news this morning, or at least I saw in the news this morning in this next slide. Pictures of the Chancellor of Germany and the Chancellor of France holding hands, talking about the end, marking the end of World War I. Bitter enemies, now in a very different place. And God says a lot of other things around peace as well. I love this idea. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. That phrase there, folks, leave with, like leave with. It's, it's interesting when you, when you look at the words, and I love doing language things and looking at the ancient text, you know, it, the leave with has this idea of a leaving of forgiveness with you. That idea that that's what God's will is to do, is to somehow leave this peace with us. And again, can we have the discipline, the discipline to do it? You think back, you know, just imagine what time is it right now? Probably 11, 11.15. Imagine these people having celebrated peace for 15 minutes, you know. What would these guys have told you? What would they have said? What would they have shared? What would they have said about this discipline of peace? And how is it that we can come to a pointed way to practice this in our own lives? And Christ, again, gives us some answers here. And these are not easy. The idea, love your enemies. 
Pray for those who persecute you. That's a powerful concept. Because you look at how this works, folks. Like it's, 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 it's saying love your enemies. Now, you know, I'm going to step over here for a minute. I can sort of get into a place if I work really hard to tolerate my enemies. To maybe have conversation with somebody who I would consider an enemy. To maybe be nice to an enemy. But what's God asking us to do here, folks? Love. He's asking us to stand in a very different place. To take the travel to the place where we're actually allowed or allow ourselves where we actually work on that, that loving our enemies. That's work. That's work. It's where we have to understand that our job is to consistently, as best we can, search for the good. The good in other people, the good in our world, and, and continue to serve that good as best we can. Like I, I, I love many veteran stories because so much of of what they talk about is, is trying to serve that good as best they can as they were called at that time. That idea of being for the good. Knowing as well that, that those places where we take offense may be the truest indicator of where our false self lies than anything I know. Where we are offended, where, where we feel we must hate that that's somehow the logical response, is probably a pointer to your shadow. Not to a sense of shared beginnings. And I, and I don't want to say this, making it sound easy. I struggle with this all the time. Constantly. Is that really possible to love your enemies? Can we do that as a discipline of peace? Can we find the silence and the quiet and the idea that God's got it and the it's okay and the turning our lives over into the Lord's hands? Can we do that enough to just feel that peace, that peace that practices all understanding? So you ready for your task for the week, folks? All right, here it is. Three minutes. Can you say three minutes together? Your task is three minutes. It's possible to make myself love someone who I may not like a whole lot for 30 seconds. I can do that. But I want you to think about your own practice of peace. Can you do it? Guess for how long? Can you do it for? Three minutes. Just trying to live a little differently into the world. Simply three minutes at a time. That practice of peace, knowing that as I best understand it, you know, it, it, it starts here with our closest relationships, three minutes at a time. It builds out into our families, communities, and churches, three minutes at a time. Can we then live it out there into the world? Three minutes at a time. I think that's what my grandfather would have told me. 
James Edmund Blair, private U.S. Army, World War I vet. He would have said, hold your horses. That was his favorite saying. And then he would have said, son, just do it three minutes at a time. Let's think about what that world would look like. Let's understand and remember this incredibly, incredibly beautiful line from the Talmud. Actually, let's read this together. I'll read the first line, then I'll have you say it. The day is short. The task is difficult. It is not our duty to finish it. But we are forbidden not to try. That's a beautiful line. So maybe as we close, maybe we can try in our own small ways, again, three minutes at a time to do this. The peace of heaven. The peace on earth. Slid closer and closer together, just three minutes at a time. Until maybe they touch. And just listen to this line from the Lord's Prayer. Maybe, for a minute, as in heaven, so upon the earth, may there be peace. Amen. We're now going to have close the service with just a time for you to have a moment of quiet reflection, to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to simply say your own prayer. As we honor peace, we honor the end of World War I, we honor Veterans Day. Please join me. Thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us in ways that we can understand to practice the discipline of the peace. Lord, we are all called to that work in so many different ways, all nations, all people, all perspectives. You call on all our hearts in different ways to do that critical work of peace. Allow us, Lord, to live it, to breathe it, to be it, just three minutes at a time. Moving further and further into the beauty of that prophecy from Isaiah. Remembering that we, when we get lost, Lord, to go back to what you remind us of constantly. That it is okay. That you have our back. That you can place, we can place our lives into your hands. That worry accomplishes nothing that you are deeply embedded in the silence. You will not leave us or forsake us or leave us without comfort. That you are our God. You are love. You are the goodness we share. A goodness that transcends the shadows of our differences and pulls us right back to the beauty of our shared beginnings those points of light, those sparks, those stars. Lord, bless this congregation. Bless the veterans that we hold in our hearts today. 
bless the veterans that are joining us here today. Stir in our heart that journey, the journey towards heaven, the peace of heaven, and peace on earth. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.